Tyler McKinnon, no, Tyler McKinnon left three months ago since the last podcast, and that's a long fucking time. It is now inside the cave with the warden, because what the warden says fucking goes. I'm so glad to be back. It's been, like I said, three months, three months too long, but I'm so happy to say that I freed up some scheduling time, and now there's going to be a podcast guaranteed Every week, this is a weekend edition. Next weekend, I'll have another one. And then Thursdays or Fridays, I've freed up some scheduling time. And they're going to be podcasts dropping each and every Thursday or Friday. And if they cannot, I will make sure by Saturday. It's been a long time. Like I said, three months. Three fucking months. That's a long time. But it would have been more like a chore to do the podcast rather than a joy. And would not have been able to bring my best to the table. And now that I've freed up this time, the podcast should be hopefully fire week in, week out. A lot has happened in that time. NFL season well into the season now. It was 12 weeks in. The Houston Astros became World Series champions. And I've shaved my pubes probably 12, 13 times, give or take. What a week it was in the NFL. Just had some Thanksgiving games a couple of days ago that we will get to. But first things first, going to start out with two coaching decisions. Two coaching decisions this past Sunday, and I don't want to give it away, but Monday, because I'm sure you're well aware of what happened there, that could cost these teams a playoff position. In fact, I think it may just do just that. We'll start off with the Sunday, with the Buffalo Bills, and head coach Sean McDermott's decision to bench Tyrod Taylor while in a playoff position. Yes, I know that seems a little fucked. Now, I did give him the benefit of the doubt at the time. I'm not at the practice facility. I'm not in the locker room. I don't see what goes on behind the scenes in Buffalo. Tyrod Taylor is not spectacular, but he's not bad. I like to think of him as a kind of a downgraded Marcus Mariota. Has a good arm or a decent enough arm. Can run the ball well, but he's not greatly accurate. Doesn't have the best touch on the football. Somewhat like Marcus Mariota, who is better, of course. But a, a similarity nonetheless. Now, when Coach Sean McDermott decides to go to Nathan Peterman in a playoff position... There's no hindsight in this. I thought at the time it was a little fucked. Because you're in a playoff spot. Why are you messing around, tinkering with your lineup while you're in a playoff position? Coming off a game against the Saints where Tyrod did not play well. But the Saints defense had been rolling at that time. Getting takeaways, playing solid defense. Now they're a little dinged up. And that showed last weekend against the Redskins. But at that time when they played the Bills, they were firing on all cylinders. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, Nathan Peterman, who the f- I've never heard of the guy. Had no clue who he was. It's like one of those backup quarterbacks. There's teams out there you just have no idea who their backup quarterback is. Kind of those teams that you just would never think that the quarterback might come out. Though Tyrod Taylor is nothing spectacular. It's one of those things that you just, barring injury, he's probably going to roll in there, especially while holding down a playoff spot. What's the point of taking him out? It made no sense. But nonetheless, Nathan Peterman went into the game. Opening drive, three minutes in, this is what happened. 180, 
Peterman rolling and throwing off the hands of DeMarco and intercepted. Patrick DeMarco couldn't hold it. Corey Toomer has it. And down the sideline, he tightropes. Corey Toomer is in for a Charger touchdown. Okay, give him the benefit of the doubt there. He got tipped, deflected, not Peterman's fault on the interception. What are you going to do with the next drive? Because pick six, you're going to get the ball back. Not even two minutes later, this is what happened. Pass rushers that will come after the rookie, and they do. He floats one, and that's intercepted across the 25-yard line. Casey Howard, there's a flag down. It's Casey Howard. And now we get to the point where we're approaching the end of the first quarter, and oh boy, this is what happened. Pressure coming, Peterman hit, and that is his third interception of the day. Trey Boston has it for a Charger takeaway down to the 46-yard line of Buffalo. Three interceptions in the first quarter. Okay, Tyrod's coming in for the second quarter, right? Wrong, wrong. Two minutes in to the second quarter. Nathan Peterman behind center. 180, Passes. Is that almost? Did he pick that off? Casey Hayward may have another interception. And still, no tie rod as we approach halftime. What is Nathan Peterman going to do with the ball? Just protect it at all costs. Let's just go into the half. You're already getting a shit kick. Don't do anything drastic. Oh, here comes this. For the Bills was the LaShawn McCoy run. That game good for 19 yards. And that's the fifth interception today thrown by Peterman. Trevor Williams with his first of this game. Five interceptions in the first half. Finally in the second half, Tyrod Taylor comes in. Sean McDermott, can you tell me what the fuck you were thinking? Seriously, five interceptions in the first fucking half. you got to be shitting me. And... The Buffalo Bills are on the outside looking in now, and quite frankly, I don't think they can recover. And that may be the coaching decision that cost the Buffalo Bills the playoffs for the first time in fucking ever. I'm not even going to bother looking it up. It's just been that long. I think it was the Music City Miracle, I think. I'm pretty sure that was the last time that they made the playoffs. So, Sean McDermott, you fucked up. You fucked up big. Were they going to win that game with Tyrod Taylor? Who fucking knows? You gave up five picks in the first half. You ain't going to win shit. Sean McDermott, I'll say it again, you fucked up. That's coaching decision number one that was bad. And then there was coaching decision two that was bad. And for this, we'll have to go to Monday night in a huge, and I mean huge, matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and the Seattle Seahawks. We're talking wild card implications on the line within this game. I mean, they're neck and neck battling for the sixth or fifth wild card spot. Chances are they're not going to win their divisions, though they could, based on the schedule, what I will, which I will get to in a minute. But chances are they will not. Not going to write it off. Based on what is left, where the records lay, I'm going to say if either of these teams get into the postseason, which I think one of them will, whether it be the Seahawks or the Falcons, they're taking the long route to the Super Bowl if they're going to make it. So in such a key game... Well, let's just take a listen what happened here. Late in the first half, well, essentially wrapping up the first half in Seattle, this is what happened. But it doesn't take much. <laughs> and it's a fake. John Ryan flipped it forward, and that did not work. 
flipped it to Luke Wilson, and he got rejected by Grady Jarrett. A very surprising call. It's a quick shovel pass to Luke Wilson, and there's Grady Jarrett. Oh. Ain't fooling me. I don't know. That's a surprising call. You have a chance to make it a four-point game, but obviously Pete Carroll saw something on film and backfired there. With so there. little time left, I mean, he has to run into the end zone. That's that's the, the because, shocking part you know, about a If he runs there. for four more seconds but doesn't reach the end zone, you tackle him, the half's over, you get nothing. Pete, what are you doing, Pete? Come on, Pete. Pete Carroll, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Now, I was on my way home. I didn't hear that broadcast. That was the televised broadcast. I was on my way home driving, listening on the radio, and I thought I heard it wrong. What are you drawing up a run for? If he gets tackled, as you hear there, at any point, you're walking away with nothing. You're going to rely on Luke Wilson, who's a tight end, who's not that fast. I mean, he's probably got some legs, but he's not a running back. If he gets past that first wall of defenders, if you look, there's some back defenders too. The Falcons put out their defense. They did not put out their special teams unit. Quinn sensed something. The Seahawks did not pick up that sense, and it backfired greatly. I had to double check, actually. I got to the pub where I was going from work, had to check with a, C a Hawks fan, a buddy of mine, to see if I heard what happened right. I thought maybe I was just like, did I hear what just happened right? Did I, did I miss something? Because with that little time on the clock, what the fuck are you thinking? And especially, now this is a hindsight thing, but especially when you are late in the fourth quarter and you're down by three, it's not a good look. It's not. And yeah, if he gets it, it's a genius play. But take the points, man. Pete Carroll, you don't have the best track record of making ballsy calls. Take the points. But... Don't fret, because late in the game now, the Seahawks are down by three. Those three points that they elected not to take earlier in the game. And you have Blair Walsh. Oh, boy. Big old Blair Walsh setting up for the kick. A 52-yarder. He's either going to miss left or he's going to miss right, right? Well, maybe he gets some heroics. Here it is. Missed a 27-yarder with 26 seconds to go. And Seattle won 10-9, shockingly. 52-yard try to tie it and send it almost certainly to overtime. Blair Walsh straight down the middle and short. Good Lord. Good Lord, Blair Walsh. As far as I know, and we're sitting here on Saturday, he still has a job. I'm stunned that he does. I don't know, maybe there's no kickers out there. But man, to leave it short, you were talking about a kicker who is in disarray. He's got no trust. He did not want, he didn't wanted nothing to do with shanking that kick that he leaves a 52-yarder short. You don't see that in the NFL. You don't see a 55-or under kick short. But it's in his head now. He did not want to shake it. So he took some off, and he left it short. The pub I was at, everybody thought it was good, and, well, why wouldn't you? You see one going down the pipe from 52, you don't think it's going to lay up. And this could be catastrophic for the Seahawks season. Now, both teams 
have tough schedules, the Falcons and the Seahawks. So it's going to be a very tight race because I really think it's really between Atlanta and Seattle who's going to get that final. You want to throw in Detroit? They lost a tough Thanksgiving game. The good game, the only good game of Thanksgiving. That was just shit on Thanksgiving. Other than the, the Vikings-Lions, that was a good game. Cowboys game sucked. How about them Cowboys, huh? Wow, do they ever rely on Zeke Elliott. And, you know, I remember last year's people saying, you know what? If you have that offensive line, Dak's going to be good. If you have the offensive line, Zeke's going to be good. You need all the pieces. You need the running back. You need the Dak needs Zeke more than I think anybody really thought. It's now more apparent than ever. Three consecutive games under 10 points for the Cowboys without Ezekiel Elliott. Let's put that offensive line shit to bed because Ezekiel Elliott is a very, very important piece to those Cowboys. And whoa, have they fallen from grace. They're done. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Cowboys, their season's fucking over, 100%. But back to the Atlanta-Seattle schedule. Let's take a look at Atlanta's schedule here because it's tough. It's tough. So they have coming up tomorrow, first Tampa Bay, winnable game. Then versus Minnesota. No walk in the park at all. Should be a good game. Then after playing Minnesota, a quick turnaround on a Thursday night after play, playing after playing a bruising Minnesota Viking defense. They have a quick turnaround against New Orleans on Thursday night football. And somehow, the Falcons have three home games in a row here on their schedule. I mean, well, not somehow, but I was shocked when I saw that. That's no walk in the park. That should be a hell of a game. Then they're back against Tampa and in Tampa on Monday night football. Winnable game. Then they play in New Orleans again. In New Orleans. No walk in the park. And then to end their season, they finish off with the Panthers. Now, depending where the Panthers are at that point in time, the way the NFC is, I'm sure they'll be fighting for something. No walk in the park. Of their six remaining games, four are against playoff teams. And four are against division opponents, which is never easy. Two against Tampa, who's to say they don't split? Two against New Orleans, who's to say they don't lose both? And then Carolina. Seattle's schedule, not all that easy as well. This week they're at San Fran, have to win that game, should win that game. Then they take on Philly at home, Sunday night football. Philly, to a lot of people, are the best team in the league, and for good reason. Then they're at Jacksonville. Seattle is not that great of a road team. Jacksonville's defense is great. Going to be a tough one. Then they take on the Rams. No walk in the park. The only thing that they have going for them is a finish off slightly easy. Now, they're going to be at Dallas week 16. Zeke is eligible to come back. And I'm sure he will play. So that is going to be a whole different cowboy dynamic come that game. The only thing they have going for them is they close out at home versus Arizona. So if that is a must-win game and say they need the Falcons to lose, Falcons have Carolina, Seattle has Arizona, that could be the difference right there. And if you want to throw in Detroit, because that was a crushing defeat, I think, for their playoff hopes against the Vikings on Thanksgiving, they have the most favorable schedule of all. If you want to have a dark horse team, Detroit would be that team. And if you want to look at Detroit's schedule, they play one playoff team out of their last five games because, of course, they just played Thursday at Baltimore. That's the playoff team. Now, Baltimore's good at home. Going to be a little chilly. 
but a winnable game. It's not, you know, it's not one of those ones that you're going to chalk up. Detroit's losing. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost, but it's not a guarantee. Then at Tampa Bay, winnable game. Then versus Chicago, a game you have to win. Then at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's one of those teams that's funny. You never know what they're going to give you. Could be hard. It's going to be cold there for sure. Detroit, you know, dome team. Those teams don't necessarily play all that well outside. That is not a gimme, but it's a winnable game. And then to close out at home against Green Bay. And at this point in time, Green Bay pretty well done. I don't see any reason, any reason whatsoever to have Aaron Rodgers in that football game. So if there are five games, Detroit could go 5-0. and Long shot but doable. You look at Atlanta and Seattle's schedule, they're not going 5-0 and in that. They'd be hard-pressed to go 4-1. and If Atlanta goes 4-1 and or 5-0 and on their schedule, let's set up the rematch between the Pats and Falcons right here, right now. Because that will be impressive, especially with four division games on the slate. Make that five, sorry. Five of their last six. Two Tampa, two New Orleans, one Carolina, and then the Vikings in the mix. Whew. That is some nasty sledding. Did they ever stack up Atlanta's schedule on the back end with division games? Holy shit. And then Seattle's is no walk in the park as well. As for the Thanksgiving games, to just kind of touch base on the Detroit and Minnesota, which was the good game. The, the Cowboys game was junk. They're done. The, the Skins and Giants was horrid. And looking ahead to Sunday's football, I was going to touch a little bit on the college football, but we got that rolling right now. It's you know it's 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 on as we speak. There's no point in me touching in, other than the fact that very excited for the Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn. One versus six should be a hell of a game. And of course, everybody still remembers that kick return touchdown in Auburn against Alabama. And it just kind of has one of those feels like it's going to something crazy is going to come down to the end of that game. But looking ahead to tomorrow's. NFL action, kind of a slew of just shitty games. Uh, nothing really that jumps out. You got the Bills at the Chiefs. The Chiefs looked like shit against the Giants last week. The Bills are still fighting for playoff hopes. Titans, Colts, junk. Browns, Bengals, junk. Bucks, Falcons. Bucks have won two in a row, but still not a good, you know a great game. Dolphins, Pats, junk. Bears, Eagles, junk. Panthers, Jets, junk. Seahawks, 49ers, junk. Saints, Rams, good. Jags, Cardinals, junk. Broncos, Raiders, junk. And Packers, Steelers, junk. Now, I'm going to get to that in a second here. And then the Monday night, Texans, Ravens, meh. I guess the Texans still, yeah, it's pretty junk. Just a shit week. There's literally one game. One game on the NFL schedule that is worth watching. The Saints and the Rams. I just gave you the whole fucking list of the schedule, and there's one that pops out. Saints and Rams. And yet, we have the Packers and the Steelers on Sunday night football. Why in the fuck is that? Steelers are favored by 14 points. This is your primetime game. Yeah, I get it's the Packers and the Steelers, very historic franchises. And the NFL decides, oh, let's say take the Saints and Rams game that was scheduled at 105. Let's just bump it up to 125 or 425 if we're talking Eastern time. Oh, that 20-minute bump. Like, what the fuck did that do? Did that just save somebody that's standing in line before the game in concession to get to their seat in time? 
that not very long concession because the Coliseum gets fuck all for fans in LA. What an opportune time to present your product to Los Angeles by shifting it to the night game because Brett Huntley and the Green Bay Packers are going to get fucking trounced by the Steelers because the Steelers play well at home, the Packers aren't going to be able to move the ball, and the Packers don't have that great of a defense. So Ben, Antonio, and Bell should probably have a pretty good day. Now I can't guarantee that the Saints and Rams are going to put on fireworks, but one team's 8-2, and two, one team's 7-3, and three, and both average 30 points a game. Hmm. Wouldn't that be a lot, make a lot of sense to put on Sunday Night Football? Seems like it to me. What a chance to showcase Los Angeles and a great chance to possibly fill up three quarters of the Coliseum because you have a nice night game, prime time. Drew Brees and the Saints rolling in. Kamara, Ingram, two dynamic backfields going head-to-head. What storyline do we have here between the Steelers and the Packers? Fuck, if you look ahead of the schedule, NFL, whoever makes your schedule, you're going to have a game coming up between the Cowboys and the Raiders that has to go. And who do you have in the afternoon that week? Oh, looks like we have the Steelers and the Patriots that should get slotted into Sunday night football because that's going to be your battle for the number one seed. And that's probably going to be your AFC championship game yet again because the AFC is fucking junk year in, year out. Do they not look down the line? Now I'm hearing rumblings of it could be the Rams and Eagles in a Sunday night game. So you're going to give the Eagles three Sunday nighters in four weeks? Oh, and then they have a Monday night around Christmas night. Who makes this shit? What a missed opportunity. NFL, you done fucked up. NFL, you fucked up large. Huge opportunity to showcase Los Angeles, fill the stadium, get some crowd support behind the team, and you just coy boshed it. To have a game that I have zero interest in watching. A little bit on a fantasy perspective because I have Devontae Adams. But shit, a lot of people are going to have a lot, a lot of Saints and Rams players. If Aaron Rodgers is in this game, it's not even a discussion because the Packers are well would be doing well. They'd probably, well, maybe not winning the division because the Vikings are doing so well, but they'd be right there, and the Steelers are doing what they're doing. But you have a 14-point spread? Like, come on, NFL. Get your fucking head out of your ass. Unbelievable. Just a mistake on all accounts by the NFL. The Saints and Rams is going to 100% be better than the Packers and Steelers, no doubt in my mind. If this, If it is a close game, game between the Packers and Steelers, then I apologize, but good God, you you fucked up huge. You fucked up huge. I I, I cannot stress that enough, how much the NFL fucked up. And that's going to conclude this episode five of Inside the Cave. It feels good to be back, joined by the warden, and the warden actually says the NFL fucked up, and you guessed it, what the warden says fucking goes. Now, also, I forgot to add, you're going to want to follow on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at ITC Sportscast. If you are an Apple user, iPhone, iPad, iWatch, probably not the iWatch because that thing's just a piece of shit anyway. Those things are just fucking dumb. But if you have an iPad or iPhone, you're going to want to subscribe on iTunes at Inside the Cave because if you do, or should I say when you do, subscribe. New podcast episodes, week in, week out, are going to pop right into your podcast folder there. And then you're just going to be like, oh shit, new episode of Inside the Cave. Excellent. I just got fucking aroused. Probably word for word exactly how it's going to go down. That's going to conclude this episode. I thank you for listening. Be sure to follow again at ITC Sportscast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe on iTunes at Inside the Cave. You can also listen on SoundCloud at Inside the Cave.
Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.